0: people at sinninggodspeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. Jesus fulfilled the law. Does that mean that we as Christians do not have to keep the law today? Or, when he said he's going to magnify the law in the book of Isaiah, do we have to keep the law today, and if so, what degree? Jesus stated that in Matthew 5 that he did not come to do away with the law or the prophets, but to fulfill it, and that he did. Let's take a look at Matthew 5, exactly what Jesus said and what it meant in Isaiah when he said he magnified the law. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 42, you find the scripture that says, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law, and make it honorable. Now magnify there is from a kadal. Uh, the Hebrew word. meanings to honor. To increase. Literally to promote or advance it. Not do away with it. And of course he did fulfill the law. But as we take a look at Matthew 5. 6 and 7. Which is the constitution for the kingdom of heaven. And what it will be for the people of God to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ in order to make that heavenly entrance. And here, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. When we see Matthew 5, Jesus talked about that he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it, the law and the prophets, and said not one jot or tittle would fail until all Be fulfilled. And he said so there in Matthew 5, verse 17, as we begin to read Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now let's see. He goes on and elaborates and tells us what this magnify, the law means, advancement of it, to exalt it. It's going to go from a natural law to a natural people with natural boundaries to a spiritual law to the spiritual Israel, if you will. Now we don't believe in replacement theology. There is a national promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, according to Genesis 12, as well as there is the seed of Abraham, the church in Genesis 15. As we see here in Matthew 5, verse 19, Jesus goes on and expounds on this truth. Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Called the least? But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, we have a natural law, and he's going to go ahead and expound on that. That's going to, after the cross, go to the spiritual, where the law will not be written upon tables of stone, but the tables of your heart. And he says, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven, as we mentioned beforehand. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the prerequisites, or the constitution. It is the constitution for the kingdom of heaven, the bylaws of the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But on the spiritual side, there's spiritual murder without taking any kind of a sword against uh, the people. And he says, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now that's radical change. To the point that how we treat the brethren determines uh, and can determine an eternal state, whether or not we enter into the kingdom of heaven or wind up committing things worthy of hell. And he goes on and says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence out of prison till thou hast paid the uttermost for thee. He goes on to say, You have heard that it was said of them of old time that thou shalt not commit adultery. Here again, in the natural law. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And he goes on and expounds on that and says, And if thou... But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Now there's a spiritual side. And that is, uh, by simply the lusting and uh, not guarding our spirit, that it is a spiritual adultery even though the physical act had not been done. He goes on and elaborates. If thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. For it is profitable, profitable for thee that one of thy members uh, should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of the members should perish and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. Goes on. Now he's talking the natural side versus the spiritual side. Yet we see very serious ramifications in judgment that if we do not keep not only the natural law but the spiritual that is in our heart as well. He said, it's been said that whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement, the same that was done in the Old Testament and under the law. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication. Now, he says that for fornication, it can still be done, causes her to commit adultery, if she's put away for any other cause, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever, soever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. My goodness, it seems rather hard there in judgment, according to the law. Now, Paul will answer in 1 Corinthians 7, According to grace, not by commandment, but by permission and saying that God has called us to peace. Not overthrowing the law, but simply that because we're called to be at peace, that if a husband and wife are in a situation, for example, a woman came to one of our tent revivals many years ago in Fort Worth, Texas. Her husband was a Pentecostal preacher. I won't mention the denomination he was in. And was beating her. And she had taken this for many years. She went to other pastors uh, asking for their help. And they said, simply obey your husband. Well, it got worse. And, of course, it proceeded worse and worse. And it progressed to where she had a son. And the son was getting beat also. And when the son was getting beaten, that's when she came to a tent revival that we had locally uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. And said, What shall I do? Now, according to the law, except for fornication, not being beaten, but for fornication, that she had to stay with her husband. So the judgment there simply is stay with your husband and, and uh, you get an early trip to glory <laughs> until he beats you to death. Or exact the grace in 1 Corinthians 7, and you're not under bondage in such cases. Now, the Lord's a judge of all. We have to be led of the Holy Ghost. But that is one case in mind, where Paul said, I'm not speaking this by law, but by permission, as a one that has obtained this grace. And he said, I think that I have, and I know I have the Holy Ghost. So we see here again, in Matthew 5, Verse 33, again, he keeps expounding on this. You have heard that has been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself. In other words, put yourself under an oath or a vow, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem. For it is a city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, either yes or no. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. You have heard that has been said of old, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, Notice that Jesus is comparing the law to his fulfilling of it in the spiritual side. And by doing so, taking it to the spiritual realm written upon our heart, then we have to bring every imagination under the control and obedience to the Holy Ghost, casting down every imagination that exalts itself against God. And it says here, But I say unto you, you know, the eye for the eye, that ye resist not evil. My goodness, resist it not. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have your cloak also. Not only the undergarment, but the overcoat as well. And whosoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him twain, two miles. Give to him that ask you, and from him that would borrow of you, turn not thou away. And he goes on about the spiritual side of the law. Now many have thought, well, Jesus fulfilled the law, meaning that we do not have to that it doesn't apply to us. It's not applicable to us today. Because Jesus fulfilled it. Therefore, we don't have to. And of course, we know Paul talking to the Galatians that uh, yo know, you foolish Galatians. If you build that again which you destroyed, you make yourself a transgressor talking about justification by the law. But here Jesus is talking about obedience to the spirit of God in the leading of the Holy Ghost. He goes on and says, You have heard it said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise upon the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. And he talks about the love of God, that love of God that prevails in all things, that love that we have not only a love for the brethren, but love your neighbor as yourself. When they ask Jesus, what's the first commandment of all, the greatest commandment, the dominant commandment, the scribe asked Jesus, Mark 12:29. Jesus responds, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, is the greatest commandment of all. The Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. And as ye shall love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might. The second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. From this hang all the law and the prophets. Now, the only way a man can do this on any individual, is through the Holy Ghost. And that has to literally uh, predominate and dominate everything in our thinking, being, and actions. What if a person doesn't? And he goes on, expounds on this. But Paul tells us that we must crucify the flesh with the affections and the lusts. Which we do not through our own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. That we might be accounted worthy of, his resu- of the resurrection. Which Paul said he suffered the loss of all things. Now we're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer for his name's sake. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Well, why the sufferings? Because tribulation worketh patience. Patience worketh experience experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is a wide uh, range from everything from uh, the flesh, the soul, and the spiritual realm in a human being. That is a believer now instead of the flesh dominating and death handing dominion over that unbeliever. The believer has a working and effectual power called grace that is working upon his heart, the inward man, which will have its reflection in life. Grace then is a powerful move dynamic upon the spirit of man that will feed now into the soul of man In his mind, will, emotions, imagination, and intellect. And his volition will choose whether to serve God in obedience or to serve the flesh. If he is obedience unto righteousness, then he will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness. And we see that in Romans 6. But if he does not, if the believer does not and stays carnally minded, and goes after the things of the world, then whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, and with the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, even though they have the Holy Ghost. They didn't crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. And that's the only way to do the will of God, and members in particular in knowing what the will of God is and doing it. The performing of the will of God is necessary, and essential to enter into the kingdom of heaven, as we see in Matthew 7. Jesus said, not all say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Well, no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. Lord is Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory, knowing that Jesus is the Father of glory. And Jesus said, that's not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will they be able to enter in. Now, no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And then, this shocking truth, Jesus said, many will then begin to profess unto me, Lord, we cast out devil. We prophesied in your name. We've done many wonderful works in your name. And then he will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You have the Holy Ghost, but you didn't obey it. You're working iniquity, lawlessness, not being led of the Holy Ghost. It's a mystery of iniquity. That works and has been working in the world until the kingdom age comes in. The believer has the power of God to overcome this. For greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. But we can't live unto the flesh. Because if we yield our members and obedience unto sin and to death, then it will be hell, because he said that being their ungodly deeds which they've ungodly committed uh, that they will be literally convicted themselves. The Lord not sending them to hell, they themselves sending themselves to hell being convinced of their own ungodly deeds which they've ungodly committed. Therefore, we cannot be carnally minded. To be spiritually minded is life. To be carnally minded is death. So therefore, we have to work out our salvation with trembling and fear. Not plan of salvation, but work out our own salvation with trembling and fear. For it's God that worketh in us, both willing to do of his good pleasure. We must do the will of God. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you, for you did not do the will of my Father which is in heaven. So doing the will of God is essential to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But what about these other things that we don't get the victory over? Well, we certainly know that we have the power of the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Though the outward man's perishing, yet the inward man's renewed day by day. And whichever one you feed is the one that's going to grow. And we're we're to put on Christ, that which is greater and literally in obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness. As we see in Galatians 5, Paul warning the church, the believers. And of course, the Galatians had gone back into the law. And he talked about, O ye foolish Galatians who have bewitched you that you should not obey the truth. Obedience is required. The truth, they know the truth, but it has to be obeyed in obedience unto righteousness. Therefore, it is a faith to faith from glory to glory until we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. And it goes right back to what Paul stated that whosoever, that was for, in the foreknowledge of God. See, God knew you before the foundation of the world and wrote you in his book, your members being unperfect, not imperfect, unperfect. Knowing the beginning from the end, he knew what your will and what your actions were going to be before you were ever conceived in your mother's womb and was manifest in the day you were born. That is because God is... Uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, knows all things, omniscient, uh, omnipotent, almighty, and omnipresent everywhere. And because he is God, knows, according to his foreknowledge, all things that will be done. The devil does not have anything in his devices that has surprised God. For he is all-knowing. Well, well, what will happen to the church then? We're saying we're saved by uh, grace through faith. Not of works lest any man should boast. Why are we talking about works? Well, the works not of our own righteousness, which is of the law. By the works of the law, no flesh will be saved. Then why did Jesus said he that uh, teaches the law will be called great in the kingdom of God? And to keep that because the spiritual love in the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and might and loving your neighbor as yourself will fulfill everything in the law as well as the prophets. Howbeit, if we don't crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust then even though we have the Holy Ghost even though we've been purged from dead works to serve the living God and these things still stay and predominate and in the believer. Then Paul tells us the works of the flesh, which are still alive. We'll find that he mentions that in Galatians five. If we see that if we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, if we do not show the love of God, there or the wicked and the evil just as well as the righteous he says there for all the laws fulfilled in one word Galatians 5 verse 14 even in this thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself it's this that simple but most will be offended and Jesus said the time will come and I have forewarned you that you should not be offended for the time will come they're going to deliver you out of the synagogues out of the churches Yet the time cometh that whosoever kills you will think that it had got a service, John 16. And yet we're to love our neighbors ourselves, even when we're persecuted and lied and railed against. Just as Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Realizing that it's not them, but the God of this world has blinded their eyes from the truth. Therefore, he said, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Notice what he says. This I say that you walk in the spirit. Obedience unto the leading of the Holy Ghost is imperative, essential, Without it is impossible to be saved. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And he said these are contrary one to the other. Well, why don't you pray? Well, you pray. Uh, Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Deliver us from evil and temptation, and rebuke the devourer. Well, why? Because we're praying, and we we give honor to God that made the heavens and earth and all that therein is, and give Him praise and glory and worship Him. And then we then uh, make our request known to God. And when we make these requests known, He already knows what we need before we ask. And when we do, then we set those before Him to, for one reason, to line up with the Spirit rather than the flesh. And that's the reason He said pray. Could you not pray for one hour? Pray that you enter not into temptation. Why is prayer so essential? Because without prayer, It lines our soul, our mind, will, emotions, imagination, intellect, along with the spirit of God rather than with the desires of the flesh. And the flesh is there until the day that the Lord calls us home. We fulfill our testimony. So the prayer is so essential. And that is to know the will of God and your time with the Lord and you're praying, you're lining your will up with the will of God rather than the will of the flesh. But what happens if we don't crucify that flesh? Paul goes on and says, you got to be led of the Spirit. Then if you do, you will not be, you, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he goes on and says, now the works of the flesh are these. Now he's going to let us know. Now we're not uh, ignorant of Satan's devices. And he works in that mind area, in the soul realm. The battle For your soul is guard, uh, guard your heart. For out of this proceed all the issues of life. Set your affections on the things above and not on the things beneath. We take our eyes and very shun the appearance of evil. And he said, if it there entices you and you cannot contain, then pluck out your eyes if that offends. Or cut off your hand if that does. It's better in enter into life hall. And one of your members perish than the whole body to be burned in hell forever. And that's pretty serious. This is a serious, very serious truth. A very few think, well, we can live any way we want to and it'll all pan out. We believe in the pan out doctrine. We believe in Jesus and we're all going to heaven. But that's not what Paul's stating here. He said, the works of the flesh are these. Now, he's, he's going to list these so we will know. And 23, list lists 23 things. And 23 is the number of death. And uh, 10, the law, plus the knowledge of the law, 13, will yield that 13 is the knowledge of, uh, plus the knowledge of that law, 10, will equal 23, the, the biblical number for death. But how be it? Jesus has given us of his spirit through his blood that we can overcome the world and all the, the elements of the flesh that are contrary against the spirit. He gives us this truth so we can war against it, knowing that the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. The first one is now this will apply not only to, to the spiritual aspects and the flesh as well. Just as Jesus said, if you look on a woman there to lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So that adultery there is there now is imputed to that believer because he has yielded to it through that lust. It's unlawful to the law, the spirit of life. Now, According to the law of uh, the flesh, the law of Moses and what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And the law was given that sin might appear exceedingly simple. Now, through the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. So therefore, Jesus fulfilled the law that give us the power to live the holy, righteous uh, life a life in righteousness. It's called the God life or godliness that we see in First Timothy 3.16. And that godliness that we add to our faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, that's the God life. Walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, making no provision for the flesh. And he goes and says, the first one, there's adultery. That's going to take many, many souls. Then fornication, and he goes right down the list. Uncleanness. lasciviousness Idolatry. Witchcraft. Which is sin of disobedience, the sin of witchcraft. Then he goes, hatred. Don't hate your neighbor. Love your neighbors yourself. Variance. If someone says, let's go to the right, you go to the left, it's always at variance. Emulations. Emulating the world. Want to be like something of the world, loving the world, emulating the world, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, heresies, denominations, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. These are things that war against the soul, which will literally destroy the believer in hell if he has not crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. And he goes and says, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, I keep telling you that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's a strong, strong statement friend. Shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Somebody said well they had the Holy Ghost. They had the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Yes, but iniquity is you didn't crucify the flesh with the affections and the lusts. But he tells you what the fruit of the Spirit is if you continue on in the Lord God, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22, and he lists that. The Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law. The nine gifts there we're talking about of the Spirit in the fruit of the Spirit. And there we have the goal that we are to reach in the fullness of the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man. So do we have to keep the law? Of course we keep the law. But we walk according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we will not fulfill the love, the lust of the flesh. In Romans 8, 1 stand, therefore in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free. And be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. We don't want to build that again, which we have destroyed. Making ourselves a transgressor. We want to walk in the light as he's in the light. For the sealing of God. As we have talked in January the 19th, 2019, the Lord said as a visitation while we were in trans Kenya, Africa. See my people by my word. As the angel is sending from these heavenly seal of the living God, so send I you. That seal is Christ. But it has to be through the obedience. Because he's sealing the servants of God in their forehead. It's only the servants that are in obedience that will be sealed. What are we saying? Let's crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. For cause tribulation, work the patience. Patience the experience. Experience, work of hope. Hope it maketh not ashamed, Because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. You're not called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. Why? Because to cease from these sins and the lust of the flesh. We find in 1 Peter 4, 1, he says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves therefore with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. These things become... Uh, the adultery, fornication, everything that he listed in the three things that bring forth death, there becomes uh, nothing to you. It's dead. You find yourself dead unto sin, but alive unto righteousness. And that is the mind of Christ, which is the ceiling that is uh, there for the believers. That is now happening for those that have an ear to hear in Revelation 7. The time is here. The Lord is faithful. He knows those that are his. And the seal is real, which is Christ himself. Let us not fail for this grace. For he said, there, there remaineth a rest to the people of God. Take heed, Paul said in Hebrews 4, lest a promise slip any of you that you should seem to come short of entering to his rest. That's the eternal Shabbat, the eternal rest. If Jesus had given him rest, he would not have spoken to him another day. Which I know it alludes to uh, not only Joshua, but the Lord himself spoke. The time is coming, and now he is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God shall live. The time is coming, and now he is. It's progressive. Those that he did foreknow, them he did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. His whole will has been to bring many sons unto glory. And those uh, that he did predestinate, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Let us not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let us walk in the spirit and fulfill the will of God. In members in particular, where we hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Well, friend, we have for gift offer this month, gift offer 1001, which is eight DVDs in the Jesus only doctrine of Christ, which is essential for a ceiling going from babies to little children, that to overcomers, and then final fathers having their Father's name written in there for you. As I think, you'll find it a blessing to you. Eight DVDs, roll over two hours teaching on each DVD on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now you can get this right to me, Dennis Beard, at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code says 75606. That's Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas zip code 75606 or visit our website dennisbeard.org or sealinggodspeople.org request your copy, 8 DVDs on the Revelation of Jesus Christ mention offer 1001 that's 1001 for your gift of $100 or more and we'll get it right out to you again, that's the Revelation of Jesus Christ 8 DVDs over 2 hours teaching on each separate DVD of eight DVDs over 16 hours of teaching. Therefore, normally a gift of 160, you can have it. Our gift offer for this month, gift offer 1001, 1001, request the revelation of Jesus Christ for your gift of $100 or more right there at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606, or the website. DennisPirit.org or SealingGodsPeople.org. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Until the next time, Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold the real Jesus.